in the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish and Alex Clancy. Welcome, everybody, to Rebound Radio, Thursday afternoon, Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy in studio. Matt Fish is feeling a little under the weather, so he might join us a little bit later via phone. 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Matt at Rebound Talk. Uh, Go to voiceamerica.tv, click on the Rebound logo, and you can see all of the video clips that Matt and I both did when we were in Vegas a few months back, uh, interviewing older players, uh, veterans, people that... um, who's playing the NBA that no longer, that are doing other things charitably and otherwise. Uh, Usually this is the part of the show where Matt runs down all of the stuff that the National Basketball Retired Players Association uh, and Rebound Magazine are doing um, charitably uh, for health benefits for former athletes, but he is not here. So we will be focusing mainly on the NBA playoffs and NBA draft lottery. Uh, The playoffs, for the most part, have been pretty boring, a lot of blowouts, um... Golden State Warriors and the Cavs have both instilled their dominance across the NBA, and it looks like we're going to see the trifecta of the Warriors and Cavs in the finals coming up June 1st. Let's start with the Warriors, because I want to talk about the Cavs and Celtics and the draft lottery and everything a little bit later. The Warriors look good. You know, in Game 1 against San Antonio before Kawhi Leonard went out, you could see, which I thought potentially could happen, you saw some, some instability. You saw a little rigidity on both sides of the ball because these guys had never really played together before. They hadn't played an important game together because the regular season is a breeze for the Warriors with their potency offensively. And, I mean, they won 60-plus games without really even trying. And you get to the first two rounds of the playoffs, they play couple of scrub teams, Portland and Utah, and you know, it, you don't really test your merit until you play a team that's been there before, and game one at home, they went down 25 in the blink of an eye, midway through the second quarter. And you saw them looking at each other, Kevin Durant, frustrated, Steph frustrated, Draymond Green screaming like he always does, and people were shocked when I was watching the game, I'm like, this, this makes a lot of sense, because they've never played together before. This is the first important game that they've ever played together as they are uh, constructed right now. Kevin Durant sniffed the finals once, got swept. And it was never really a, it was never really a test for him because it was kind of they were young and they they weren't supposed to be there that early. And after being spurned last year by the Cavs, the Warriors had something to prove, and you could tell that when Kawhi went out. Then they're like, okay, well, we got the luck that we needed. Now let's go take care of business. And lo and behold, things started falling. Threes, everything. Everybody was raining from everywhere. And the Warriors have had this luck in the past. If you don't remember, let me refresh. The year they won the championship two years ago, every single point guard that they played in the playoffs was hurt. Mike Conley hurt. Patrick Beverly hurt. And uh, albeit he's not a great offensive player, but defensively he could make a little bit more noise than the backup point guard that they had in Houston. Kyrie Irving hurt in the finals in game one. So they had kind of a charmed path to a championship two years ago when they won it. 
This year, they played two inferior opponents because the, the Jazz took care of business against the Clippers, so there was no real offensive firepower. The Jazz kind of made it close a little bit, but you could obviously tell that there was a huge gap in talent between the two squads. Now, they play arguably the toughest team they're going to play in the Western Conference, the Spurs, and in my opinion, the MVP this year, Kawhi Leonard, goes out. Freak injury, whatever. I'm not going to talk about if it was mal- if there was malintent by Zaza Pachulia, gamesmanship, whatever. He got hurt. And there's a question, should Popovich have been playing him when, he was, when they were up 25? And the answer is an emphatic yes from the Clancy front. Because it's the Warriors. They can score 25 points in three and a half minutes. So you obviously keep him in midway through the third quarter. Now, or midway through the second quarter, whenever he got hurt. And now they're playing a third string JV high school team. They're playing a divi- they're playing Pomona Pitzer right now. A division three college school. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just kind of how the cookies crumbled here. The Spurs have zero firepower. People forget that Tony Parker went out. And Tony Parker may be older. I think he's 34. He can still play. He could add what Manu Ginobili's adding right now. Just experience. And I will talk about experience when I talk about the inevitable matchup between the Warriors and the Cavs uh, momentarily. 888-346-9144, Alex Clancy in studio, Rebound Radio, Voice America Radio. So, going back game three in San Antonio... This is their one shot to show any sort of any sort of angst or any sort of fight back with the Almighty Warriors. So, in my opinion, I think Kawhi was ready to play in Game Two. But you got to think that the chances of you winning in Golden State take away the freakish first eighteen minutes of the first game. Lesser chances of you winning on the road against that powerhouse with a hobbled star than you do with him getting an extra three or four days of rest and playing at home. So I think he'll play game three. And the first quarter and a half will determine the rest of the series. If Golden State is already out of their minds, they're already blind and they're just knocking down everything, doesn't matter where they play, then you know what? Good game. You're a better team than us. We'll see you next year. Because San Antonio is old. The organic nature in which they used to win championships is dead now in the NBA. Finding people overseas isn't a well-kept secret anymore. Every franchise has a part of their scouting team that only goes to South America and Europe. So it's not like you're going to find another Manu Ginobili in the second round. It doesn't happen anymore. The good... European and South American players go top five. Most of them don't pan out. But every so often you get a you get a Christos Porzingis. You know, seven footer who's just who's just an absolute beast. So, again, the organic nature in which they won those championships, coupled with the fact that they got lucky and got the number one overall pick, I think it was supposed to be Boston that year, but San Antonio snuck up in the draft and got Tim Duncan. So that helped, obviously. Tony Parker, drafting a 17-year-old Tony Parker from France. There's luck involved, but there's a lot of diligent scouting done as well. Now, again, because all, all teams do that, it's harder to find the diamonds in the rough. 
So Tony Parker playing in this series would have helped immensely. Granted, they probably would have been down 0-2 if things would have gone the way that they had with Kawhi going down anyways, but it would have been closer, and I think that they would have won game one if Tony Parker was on the court. Because at least you have a leader who's won four times. You have a guy that is impervious to pressure, and you saw that in the playoff series before. They had no business beating Houston. But with the experience that Houston lacked, that San Antonio had all of, Tony Parker was a beast. In the close game, Game 5, that San Antonio won, Tony Parker, I think, at 24. He had a couple 18-footers with guys in his grill coming down the stretch with a minute and a half left. I think he hit a bucket to put him up four with a minute left in Game 5. It's like, oh, he can still play. This is why these guys are null during the regular season because they truly rest physically and mentally until the playoffs because they know that that's you know, where the money's made. And if they're going to make a run in the playoffs, they have to be healthy. Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, even though Ginobili is, he almost signed a, a two-year deal with Philly. But he came back and he's like, you know what? We're still good enough. So on the San Antonio side of the ball, the issues they have first the things that are in their control take away the injuries. As LaMarcus Aldridge is, he doesn't deserve to wear that jersey. He absolutely does not deserve to wear that Spurs jersey and even be in the same conversation as Tim Duncan. This guy's been in the league eight years. What has he done? What is he? It, it's nice in the Pacific Northwest to average 28 and 8. That's good for you. I don't think he's even averaged that much. If he were smart, he would have stayed in Portland. But he wanted to he wants what all these athletes want is to be coveted. And because Damian Lillard was taking the spotlight, four-year player, four-year player at Weber State, by the way. Got them to top ten in the country, I believe. Four-year player, and I'll talk about that later. With a squad of CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, and Lamarcus Aldridge. That's a team I could get behind. That's a better version of Houston, in my opinion. And obviously, they wouldn't have been able to give Alan Crabb all that money and Mo Harkless. Like, there's a lot of guys that would not be on that squad right now if they gave Lamarcus Aldridge the hundred and you know eighty million dollars, whatever they were going, whatever they could give him. That would have been the correct choice. And I think he realizes that now that he is not ready for the big time, and it shows. There is no way. On paper, up 25 with LaMarcus Aldridge on the court. Portland, LaMarcus Aldridge. If this was a regular season game, San Antonio would have won that game. Because LaMarcus would have been hitting the eight-footers that were rolling off the rim like he didn't want to shoot them. He wanted nothing to do with that spotlight whatsoever. And you could tell. If I were Pop, I would beat that tape into his damn head. Hey, do Do you want to earn the money we gave you? We never pay people this much. Do you want to be the next Tim Duncan? Then act like it. Act like it. It's easy when you're up 15, 18 and dream on green it and make everything. A little bit more difficult when you need to hold a lead on the road that could actually pivot this whole series into your favor. Yes, he did hit a bucket late to put them up too. I get it when they were tied 
with under a minute left. He missed eight before that. And he was draining 20-foot fadeaways in the middle of the second quarter, early third. When it gets tough, weakness is exposed. And that's obvious. I, I didn't just make that up. I mean, that's pretty obvious. So all of those things, Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker being injured, and LaMarcus Aldridge being a complete and utter bum, are the elixir that is causing the Spurs to fold in front of our very eyes. Now, I'm not saying that they're done forever. I don't, obviously, I don't think they're going to win this series unless Kawhi actually took that game off so we could get fully healthy. Warriors are just too powerful. They're just too powerful. And that's pretty much all there is to it. One thing that the Warriors have at a disadvantage is their bench, their experience. I'm going to give you a glaring number coming up after the break that's comparing Cleveland's bench to the Warriors' bench. I never call series this early. I never call them this early because you know you never know who's going to get injured, whatever. Barring any injuries, there's no question that these are the two best teams on the planet and they will face each other again in the finals. I can't wait. We have four minutes till break. I can't wait till after the break so I can start ripping Boston. 888-346-9144. Alex Clancy in studio. Matthew Edward, I'm never late for the dinner bell. Fish may be calling in soon to give his take... When it comes down to, excuse me, when it comes down to it, Greg Popovich is going to have to make a decision for his career in the next five years. For the next five years. And he's going to have to make that decision within the next one or two. How much do you trust the squad you have now? How much do you trust Kawhi Leonard will win a championship for you? Now. With everybody being older, Tim Duncan retiring, all of the things. Because Pop looks old now. He looks like... He looks like he doesn't manicure himself anymore. He's starting to look more like Albert Einstein than Greg Popovich. You can just tell that he's tired. He's tired of this grind. He obviously loves competition, all these things. He's, He's the only great coach that there is in the NBA right now. I get a lot of crap for saying that, but name name another one. Steve Kerr? Come on. Come on. I mean, I get it. I, he's, he's an average coach in extraordinary circumstances. You think Mike Brown had anything to do with them coming back from 25 down? No. Mark Jackson is probably on suicide watch if they win the championship this year. Give me another coach. Give me another great coach. If you say Doc Rivers, I will throw a brick at your face. Doc Rivers will be coupled into my Celtics rant that will be coming up soon. Name me one more coach. Eric Spolstra, thank you, LeBron. Ty Lue, thank you, LeBron. Give me one more. Quinn Snyder. I think is an above-average coach in Utah. He's paid his dues. He coached in Missouri. He was on the bench with the Lakers. The Lakers should have hired him as a head coach instead of the rigmarole of, of coaching the coaching carousel that they've experienced over the last five years. Give me another one. Uh, Budenholzer? Budenholzer? Atlanta? He, he was a pop, project, uh, pop product. 
They got the one seed once. How'd that do for them? Where's he? There are no good coaches in the NBA anymore because they've all retired. Or they're all in upper management. Name me one more coach that you'd want to start a franchise with. So, say the answer there is none. Say there is zero coaches. So, he has that going for him. But, unfortunately, he's in the worst market in the NBA, aside from, like, M- Milwaukee. Who, wants, who the hell wants to go play for San Antonio? Especially nowadays with the AAU-infused basketball that we're seeing, with everybody being a one-and-done. Nobody understands the history of the game. The Spurs were a great franchise for 20 years. Maybe the best in the NBA from year one to year 20. Make the playoffs every year. Yes, one of the championships was their first championship, I think, was on a a strike-shortened season. But nobody wants to go play for San Antonio. And obviously Pop's not leaving, so he's got a decision on his head. It's going to have to make a decision soon. Alex Clancy in studio, Rebound Radio. On the other side, I'm going to talk Boston. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Rebound Radio, Alex Clancy in studio, 888-346-9144. Talking NBA playoffs, Matt Fish is seemingly out today. Cold and familial obligations. So, I'm talking heavy NBA playoffs. Let's switch over the Eastern Conference. I'm kind of over-talking about the Warriors. I'm going to give you some names. Let's start with this. Starting in 2000... Starting in 2008, J.R. Giddens, Semi Erden, Lester Hudson, Luke Herringody, Avery Bradley, Etwan Moore, Marshawn Brooks... Chris Joseph, Fab Mello, Jared Sullinger, Lucas Norrishmanshah, James Young, Marcus Smart, there's one you know, Marcus Thornton, Jordan Mickey, RJ Hunter, Terry Rozier, Abdel Nadir, Ben Bentel, Demetrius Jackson, Rade Zagoric, Deontay Davis, Ante Zizic, Gorshan Yabashana, and Jalen Brown. Those are the last 20 or so draft picks by the Boston Celtics. So, 
how are all those draft picks working out for you, Mr. Ainge? Is this the is this the the culture that you had in mind when you made all those trades and you're getting all these high draft picks and everything? I get that you stole the number one overall pick and the number one overall pick next year, seemingly, from the Nets for two aging stars. I get it. So those, kudos to you. We'll see what you do with it. Right now, in the context and the construct of the NBA as a whole, everybody's young. Everybody's young. Everybody in the top five is always a one and done. Everybody. Usually, it takes three or four or five years for those players to learn how to play in the NBA. So, drafting an 18-year-old takes three or four years. They're 21, 22. It takes them four years to learn the speed and physicality of the game as a whole. A lot of the top guys, yes. So, say, say exceptions to the rule. Let's go back a little bit. Steph Curry, okay? 2009, 2010, 17 and a half, six assists, five boards. Okay, good. Next year, 18 and six. Fine. Third year, played 26 games. Body not ready. So just because the numbers are there early doesn't mean the body's ready immediately. Kevin Durant. This is really the exception to the rule here. He's averaged 20 since he came into the league. So there's one. That's one. That's the antithesis of my point. Let's go from 2012 to now. Most of these guys are one year in college and out. Anthony Davis, good. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, bust. Bradley Beal, yet to be determined. Deion Waiters, fourth overall, bust. Thomas Robinson, fifth overall, bust. Damian Lillard, four-year guy, stud. Four years. Harrison Barnes, we don't know yet. Terrence Ross, really? Andre Drummond, good. Austin Rivers, 10th. Give me a break. That's 2012, 1 through 10. So what? There were two guys there, one of whom was a four-year guy. That actually matters. 2013, Anthony Bennett. I think he's working at a car wash now. Victor Oladipo, busted two overall. Otto Porter, busted three. Cody Zeller, busted four. Alex Len, busted five. Nerlens Noel, yet to be seen. The, his ceiling's through the roof, but... Ceiling's through the roof. His ceiling's really high, but he's either injured or, or stuck behind big guys. Ben McLemore, six, bust. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, seven, Detroit. Pseudo-bust at seven. You want a little bit more out of that in the first four years. But they're getting better every year. It takes four years. Why not get a guy that's a little bit older or trade for a veteran who actually knows how to play basketball? 2014, Andrew Wiggins, stud. Jabari Parker, going back to my physicality thing, torn ACL twice. And yes, some of the times it's freak accidents, but also the muscles around your knee aren't strong enough yet. That's what college is for. Joel Embiid, same thing. He, he's hurt every part of his body. They knew that his back was an issue when he came in. They knew his knee was an issue when he came into the league. Uh, Philly took a risk, and they're paying for it. Aaron Gordon, Magic, hurt rookie year. Knee injury. Boom. He's not ready physically yet. Dante Exum, fifth. Utah Jazz, he's 6'8". Okay, I get it. He's supposed to be the next Magic Johnson. Bust. Marcus Smart was a triple-double machine or almost in college at Oak State. Now he's a defensive guy because he doesn't know how to play basketball on the offensive side of the ball. So at six, yet to be seen still too early. Julius Randle, He's one of my favorites, but he's a double-double guy, but he's still very, very young. Could have used a couple more years in college. 
Nick Skauskas, who? Bust at 8. Noah Vonley, Hornets, bust at 9. Alfred Payton at 10, supposed to be the best point guard coming out of the draft that year in 2014, bust up to this point. Okay? 2014. I'm going to keep going because this is proving my point that if you have a high draft pick and you already have a team set, you don't need another young child player because it's going to take four years to cultivate them more times than not. And you're just going to be treading water. Maybe you'll get the two seed every year, but it's because the East is weak. 2015, Carl Anthony Towns, exception to the rule. He had already had all the tools. Plus, he's also seven feet and can shoot threes, and he shoots 80% from the line and has every move in the book down low. You could tell that he's a student of the game. D'Angelo Russell, too. Who knows? Bust-worthy, maybe, but we'll see. Jaleel Okafor, who? Injury. Rookie year. Hasn't come back. Porzingis, exception to the rule, so that's two. Mario Hezonja? Who? Fifth, bust. Willie Cauley-Stein, six, bust, pretty much. Sacramento. Manuel Moutier's played well with Denver, maybe not worth the seventh overall pick. Going back if there was, if there was a redraft. Stanley Johnson. Who? U of A? Pistons, eighth overall, bust. Frank Comiskey has actually made a good... Has had a little a good little career for himself down in Charlotte. Senior. Played four years. He's going to play in the NBA for a long time. Probably more than four of the guys that I listed above him. Justice Winslow. Injury second year. Body wasn't ready. He's going to be great. Miles Turner. Pacers. Going to be great. Center. Has the, has the skills, but it took him three or four years. You're seeing, this, you're seeing a trend here. And then last year, Ben Simmons hurt out for the year. That could have been sneaky tanking by Philly. Who knows? But he did get hurt because his body wasn't ready. Brandon Ingram, we'll see. Jalen Brown looks good. He's in the playoffs. He's the only guy that could kind of guard LeBron, but he's still a baby. And third overall pick, we'll see because it's still too early. Dragon Bender, bustable first year. Chris Dunn played okay for Minnesota, but he played behind Ricky Rubio. We'll see. Buddy Heald, four-year guy, got traded to Sacramento for DeMarcus Cousins because the owner of Sacramento thinks he's going to be the next Steph Curry. Whatever. Jamal Murray can't get off the bench in Denver. Marquise Chris played very well for Dallas or uh, for uh, Phoenix, so we'll see. He's probably the rising star of that draft. So the point of my whole story here is high draft picks in this texture of the NBA are overvalued to the nth degree. Unless you have a millennial talent, somebody that is a surefire number one, no question, usually a big guy or a power forward, or a swing man, I get it. Carl Anthony Towns, I get it. He's going to be great for a long time. Anthony Davis, he's going to be great for a long time, barring injury. But Anthony Davis has had injury issues because, you know, he grew, what, eight inches over one summer? It's going to catch up with you, and it has. His body wasn't ready to play the rugged schedule of the NBA. So let's flash forward to last night. Cleveland wins by, I don't know, 14, whatever it was. They were up 25 the whole game. They got the number one seed. They got home court. Well, that lasted about 10 minutes. You have a bunch of B-minus, C-plus players on that team. I'll give Al Horford a B. I'll give Isaiah Thomas a B. Why only a B for Isaiah Thomas? He averages 26 a game. He is the statistically worst defender in the NBA. So say he scores 26, he is probably responsible either directly or tangentially responsible for giving up 40 points on the other end every night. 
because they try to mask him on the defensive side, which means you have to double from somewhere else, which means a guy's left open, which means you're running around the perimeter most of the time because so many people are shooting threes now, or you're losing it on pick and rolls and getting burned. Your center is 6'8", Al Horford. Something's got to change in Boston. Danny Ainge is still living on yesteryear when he pulled off maybe the best trade ever. I mean, I guess you could say that one of the best trades ever was getting rid of them too, but one of the best trades ever bringing in KG and Ray Allen. Veterans drafting Rondo. Well, no, no, no. They didn't draft Rondo. The Suns drafted Rajon Rondo and traded him for 500 k Thank you, Robert Sarver. If Rajon Rondo wasn't on that team, they wouldn't have won a championship. So, you pull off that trade. Great. You win a championship, 2008. You lose the next year to the Lakers. And then, now Doc Rivers is the greatest coach of all time. Danny Ainge is the greatest GM of all time. It's not how that works. You had a little pocket of time, less than a thousand days worth of dominance, and then LeBron took over. Less than a thousand days of dominance. Does that merit Danny Ainge being still looked at as the best GM or one of them? I think Bob Myers over in the uh, over on the West Coast probably took that. But Danny Ainge now covets draft picks so much like he's an NFL owner. You need to have guys that have been there before. So, okay, so I'm, I'm bitching about Danny Ainge. I'm bitching about Danny Ainge. What would I do if I were him? I would trade that pick yesterday. I would trade that pick. I would trade Marcus Smart. And my next year's first overall for DeMarcus Cousins. But that's it. Done. Addition by subtraction. You don't need 19 guards. Ask Phoenix. You don't need 19 point shooting guards. You know, and one of them you play at the three who's undersized to, you know, makes you a little bit more inferior uh, on the defensive side of the ball. You got to make a power move at some point. Oh, DeMarcus Cousins is, he's a problem off the court. Who cares? Oh, he breaks up locker rooms. Who cares? This isn't the first time that a superstar has an ego and has a bad attitude. You have all the chips, but you refuse to change your strategy. The definition of insanity. Doing the same things, expecting a different result. He's doing the same things, expecting a different result, and it ain't working. If you want to win in the next five years, when LeBron is still there, and LeBron is still at his... I think LeBron's going to be at his peak for another four years, barring injury. So if you want to get anywhere close to the top of the mountain with LeBron there, you make a big trade. You trade for a big guy. Now, if you have Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and DeMarcus Cousins, yeah, you can win a championship with that team. And then you get free agents that want to come play in Boston. They want to bring a ring back to Boston. TD Waterhouse is one of the greatest stadiums to play in, one of the greatest arenas to play in. Not if you're losing by 30 at home. You need to make a move. Okay, so say you draft Markel Fultz first overall. 
okay, or Lonzo Ball, or even Josh Jackson. Say you draft the biggest guy in the top five. Take away Lori Marketing, who, who's a shooter. He's the guy from U of A. He's, you know, he's, he could be Dragan Bender. He could be Chris House Porzingis. We don't know. So say you draft Josh Jackson, 6'9". Where are you going to put him? Put him at the three. Start him. Put him at the three. So then you have, what, six guys that play three positions, all of whom are either undersized or don't have well-rounded games. Isaiah Thomas is one of the most prolific offensive players there is in the NBA now, which is unbelievable to say, but it's true. Avery Bradley is an A-minus defender, A-minus B-plus defender, and a B-minus offensive player. He'll hit the open three, he can jump through the roof, but you don't, you don't rely on him to score points. Marcus Smart, defensive only, can jump, but that's about it. Jalen Brown, unproven, might be the best out of all of them when it's all said and done, but right now he's too green because he only played one damn year in college. And Josh Jackson. That's six that I can name off the top of my head. I'm not going to count Gerald Green or any of the bench guys that, that are scrubs anyways. That's six guys... Who you got to fill three positions for? In in essence, could be subtraction by addition. It could it could dilute your team more if you draft Marco Fultz, Lonzo Ball, or Josh Jackson or anybody. Anybody. There's no big guy in this draft that's worth drafting number one overall. So get the hell rid of the pick. Well, what if they trade for Jimmy Butler or for Paul George? Paul George doesn't want to go there. He knows he can't win a championship with that team. Jimmy Butler, maybe, because he's still younger and he he's never tasted tasted what winning is like. Neither of those, neither of those guys will help because they both play the same position as everybody else on that team. You need a big guy. There's one big guy that you can go get that will make your team a championship contender immediately, and that's DeMarcus Cousins. Suck it up. With the attitude. Suck it up. He's 25, 12, and 6. Get rid of some of your players. Trade the number one overall pick to New Orleans. Because New Orleans, it's not going to matter for them anyways. So you do a sign and trade. DeMarcus comes to you. He gets the money he wants. He actually is in a winning atmosphere. He gets to put on that green that might change him. Because they actually have a history of winning. And he's never been close to a franchise that's had a history of winning. Trade the number one overall pick. Trade Marcus Smart or whoever, or Kelly Olynyk, And I would even trade the number one next year. That, that would be my package. And that would give New Orleans two picks in the first round the next two years. Oh no, they, two, that would give them two first round picks, yeah, in the next two years. And it could give them a two top five picks because those are both New Jersey's picks. And it's New Orleans. They're never going to win. And they're in the West, so it's not going to affect you directly. Let's see them get out of the West and have it affect you. It doesn't make any sense to, to, to use this draft pick. At all. I would say the same exact thing for the Lakers. Trade it. If you can get DeMarcus Cousins, trade it. Trade everything. Because he is a, trans, he's a transcendent talent in the NBA. He is the best player in the NBA that's not a guard and not LeBron or Kawhi. He's the most dominant. Nobody watches him because 
He's only on Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area or whatever the hell Sacramento Kings are on, and now he's in New Orleans and nobody cares about basketball there. Dra- draft equals death for Boston. It keeps you treading water against a powerhouse that you're looking above, looking at above or below now because you wanted that number one seed so badly and your home court lasted 14 minutes. That was pathetic last night. How do you not have a scheme to defend LeBron James? LeBron's first seven times touching the ball, he's like, okay, so you're going to put a big guy on me off a switch, off pick and roll? Okay, I'm just going to... I'm just going to go right to the basket and put it right in. I'll be just right near it, and I'll just lay it in. I'll talk more about this on the other side. Alex Clancy in studio. Rebound Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Final segment, Rebound Radio, Alex Clancy in studio, 888-346-9144. Broke the mic. All right, we're good. Been talking NBA all day here. Uh, touched on Golden State in San Antonio, Serio, series over, barring a miraculous comeback from Kawhi Leonard of physically. Um, Boston is a town full of idiots in regards to their team with their coveting of draft picks. And now we're going to get to LeBron. And I love LeBron. And everybody thinks that I'm a slurper for him. Here's the thing. I made a mistake. I, I grew up in L.A. and I, you know, I got to watch Showtime basketball when I was younger and, and got to see the emergence of Kobe and, every, and everything. When Kobe retired, 
I and I'm not like a, a homer where I just turn blinders on and I'm always right with my team is always right and everything else is wrong because my team can never do anything wrong. I am furthest from that. But what I will give Kobe credit for is he ever since the alley oop to Shaq against Portland that brought them back from I think a twelve point deficit in the fourth quarter to win a playoff series when they got their first championship. He was more mentally tough than every single person in the NBA. By a long shot. By a long shot. Even in all-star games, he would always want to win. He'd always want to do, like, and it was to a fault, because it seemed like he didn't get to enjoy the game because he was so driven to win. Jordan asked, yes. LeBron is the next one. I said that Kobe is a dying breed. People aren't like Kobe anymore. Because it's about money, and it's about, well, I mean, obviously it was about money for Kobe when he took 50 mil over two years and, and jettisoned the Lakers franchise for the next 10 years. But Kobe cared about winning. He expected to win. We are in a society now of James Harden's. Talk a big game, drop big stats, but when it comes down to it, you can't differentiate your ass from your elbow. It was embarrassing to watch James Harden take 10 shots and lose by 30 to San Antonio in a closeout game at home. Just, it was embarrassing. So now, we are a society of James Hardens. Guys that cannot stand the big moment. Same, you know, DeMar... uh, uh, LaMarcus, LaMarcus, whatever the hell his name is. Marcus Aldridge. Same thing. LeBron has gotten to Kobe level now. He gets it. Nobody else gets it. He gets it. He understands each meticulous move that he needs to make to get to where he wants to go. And people don't understand it. People still give him crap for the decision when he was 24 years old and or 25 and he's going to, to Miami, he raised $3 million for the Boys and Girls Club. It wasn't his call to do that, I'm assuming. It's like, hey, you want to be a global icon? You want to be a billionaire by 40? You do this. You'd be the most polarizing athlete on the planet. Okay. Whatever. So he did it. And people still give him crap for it. Fine. He was an independent contractor, went with his friend and won championships in South Beach. Would you do that? Yes. You want to pay, get paid $100 million and get out of frickin' Cleveland? Sure. I'd love to go see Sunshine 80, 80% of the year. I'd love no income tax, state income tax, in the state that I live. Absolutely. I'm going to make more money than I would have. Uh, sure. He goes back, and this is when I knew that he had elevated to Kobe level, Michael Jordan level, mentally in the NBA. The Cleveland Cavaliers... Select Andrew Wiggins, number one overall. LeBron goes there, says, get rid of him. Give me Kevin Love. I don't, Andrew Wiggins, what? He's, he averaged 20 a game in college, and he's the best, uh, best on-ball defender in the draft. I don't care. Kevin Love doesn't play defense. I don't care. Is he going to fit in our scheme? I don't care. Get him. He's already an all-star. I don't need to get younger. I need to win right now. Right now. Andrew Wiggins have a very nice career in the Great White North which is pretty much Canada. He's Canadian, so pretty much... 
How have the Cavs done with Kevin Love? Oh, they want to. Oh, they're two for two and making it to finals. Oh. Well, I know Kevin Love had his arm popped out of his socket by Kelly Olynyk the first year, but Kevin Love helped getting there. Last year, beast. How would Andrew Wiggins do on this team? Not as well as Kevin Love. Instead of getting younger, he got older. His team got older, and they got better. Imagine that. Somebody that's been in the NBA for five or six years might know more than an 18-year-old that played 15 minutes in college. Oh, and mind you, his team got Alston in the first round of the tournament, and he was nowhere to be found. Andrew Wiggins, I'm talking about. I think he had like six points. Hmm. Not ready for the spotlight, are you, James Harden? Get rid of him. He got mocked. Where's the defense going to come from? Who cares? Nobody plays defense in the NBA anymore. When Greg Popovich decided to stop playing defense before Kawhi Leonard and just score 120 points a game, they did, and they won championships. Unbelievable. Maybe they didn't win a championship. They won with, it doesn't matter. LeBron is ahead of the curve. He gets it. He gets that older players know how to play basketball better. It doesn't matter if you're unathletic like Kevin Love is. It doesn't matter if you give up a freakish talent with a seven-foot wingspan. It doesn't matter. Things can look extremely sexy on paper, but until you put them into action, you don't really know what happens. And LeBron knows that because they made it to the finals and lost the first year in Miami. And they made it to the finals in the first year, and he lost when he came back to Cleveland. And he hasn't said a word. Draymond Green mouthing off all the time with his four superstars that are standing around him like big brothers on the playground, and he's screaming as they're holding him back like he's going to do anything. And LeBron is just going home to his family, kissing his kids goodnight, and going to sleep. Waking up at 6 a.m., working out, eating right. He's thinner than he's, than he's been in the last five years because he knows how to maintain his body. Kobe never bulked up, and he learned from Kobe in that regard. He learned that you don't need to be the biggest and the strongest. You need to be able to run longer than everybody else without, without getting tired. You need to be able to, to bend your knees and make a free throw with six seconds left after playing 46 minutes and have the energy to do so. He superseded... He just scored 100% on the Wonderlick. He's already there. He has a PhD doctorate in basketball. And he knows how to work the game. He plays within the confines of the rules. He doesn't get hurt. All these people, all oh, freak injuries, freak injuries. You think LeBron hasn't fallen on somebody's foot after, after shooting a jump shot? He walks it off. His body is in prime condition. Well, everybody's is in prime condition. Obviously not, because everybody's getting hurt. He probably does foot exercises every day to keep, his, to keep the muscles around his ankle strong. He does things that other people do not do. And it's obvious, and everybody hates him for it, because it's all Tom Brady. What, okay, well, take the cheating thing away. Okay, so say that the decision and Deflategate are just... They cancel each other out. That's like the one thing that you can't prove anything and he got suspended and they still won the Super Bowl. So thank you for the suspension. Thank you for the four weeks off. And 
LeBron did something when he was 25 that didn't really hurt anybody. It hurt the feelings of Cleveland fans who hadn't won a championship in 90 years, and then he came back or since 1960, and he came back, and now all is good because fans are so fickle that it doesn't matter. LeBron comes back, oh, what happened? You left? I don't remember. Oh, I burned your jersey? No, I didn't. He has the market cornered. Granted, they might not win the championship this year. I'm picking them to win the championship. I picked them last year to win in six. They won in seven. I am picking them to win the championship this year because he is the best player on the planet. If you put one through six, one through six, best players combined with the Warriors and the Cavs, the top six total, LeBron, I'd give Kevin Durant second. I pick Kyrie over Steph. Because when you need a bucket, Kyrie can get to the basket. And obviously, Kyrie is probably the most clutch player out of all of them. And then I pick Steph. And then I'd either pick Kevin Love or Clay Thompson. But it's like when you pick on the schoolyard, first pick, you usually win that game if it's the first pick. You get first pick, second, and two. The second and two normally combined aren't as good as the first one. So yes, Golden State has a better team on a starting lineup. But Cleveland's got the better team. And transitioning into my stat that I looked up about two hours ago, the Warriors bench experience combined 63 years between 10 guys. So that's 6.3 years per team per guy. Two rookies, James Michael McAdoo's played two years. Kevin Looney, who, has played one year. Ian Clark has played three years. Then the rest, you have Iguodala and Livingston and Matt Barnes have all played over 10 years. Cool. 63 years, that's the number. Cavs, 85 years of experience. 85 years. You have one guy, Eddie Tavares, who they signed late in the season. He's been out. I don't think he's even dressing right now. Derek Williams, another bust. Second overall, uh, several years back, five years back. He's on the squad, fine. Iman Shepard, five years. Everybody else over 10. Channing Fry, Cal Corver, Richard Jefferson, James Jones, Darren Williams, Dante Jones. Granted, among Channing Fry, Cal Corver, James Jones, Richard Jefferson, Darren Williams, and Dante Jones, I think there's like six all star appearances combined. I understand that that's not the point. The point isn't that these guys have flourished throughout their career. Because most of them have been bench guys or specialists, Kyle Korver. Darren Williams was at the top of his craft seven years ago. He obviously forgot how to play basketball because he can't make a shot now. But it's the total number of years that you've played in the NBA. And they've got that in spades. If you need a three, and say you're down 12 and you're, and you're, you're playing your bench, and the starters just came back for Golden State. You don't need to jump immediately because you have guys that know how to play basketball on your bench that can give your starters a break. And Golden State doesn't. What the argument is, okay, Andre Iguodala won the NBA Finals MVP two years ago when LeBron James averaged a triple-double. Well, he kept LeBron James to a lower triple-double than other people would. Give me a break. Give me a break. You think Patrick McCaw, who's draining threes now, is going to do anything in the finals? The Warriors better hope 
that nobody gets hobbled before the finals because all of their starters will be playing 45 minutes a game. And yes, LeBron will be playing 50 or 48 minutes. Uh, Kyrie will probably be playing 38 or 40. Kevin Love the same. But you have Tristan Thompson. You have J.R. Smith. You have Iman Shumpert. You have Channing Fry, Cal Corver. These guys that really, when it comes down to it, can drain the three ball when they're open. And if you have LeBron or Kyrie penetrating, you're going to either need to double them or they're going to eat you alive. So you have a never-ending flow of three-point shooters that have been in the league a long time and can make an open three regardless of the, the situation that they're in. That's something the Warriors do not have. You trust Andre Godala to hit a three when you need it? He's hit a couple. You trust Kevin Li- uh, Sean Livingston to lead your team when Steph Curry goes out in the finals? Give me a break. Matt Barnes, get, get the hell out of here. He doesn't even deserve to wear a jersey anymore. David West has been relevant for 10 years. The Warriors are in trouble if this is a long series, even though that they're not going to lose a game and the, neither are the Cavs. It's been more of a tumultuous season for Golden State because KD was out, then Steph kind of came back into his own, and then KD came back, and now we're trying to figure out who the alpha male is. When the last shot needs to happen at the end of a close game, who takes it? Answer it, because I don't know. Whoever's hot then, I don't know. If you have Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Draymond, uh, Clay Thompson on the court at one time, who the hell takes the last shot? I'll leave you with that. i got to get out of here. Alex Clancy in studio. Rebound Radio, Voice America Radio. See you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.